Welcome back in, or welcome in, to What's Right, episode 153. If I, you know, I don't think I've ever messed up the intro of this podcast. because I need show. to do it now. Well, little frazzled, little rattled, 50 to 1, bet, down the tubes again, once again, get to the final four with a 50 to 1 wager, can't make it across the finish line. I watched LeBron have arguably one of the three greatest playoff halves of his career, only to have it squandered in minutes to start the second half. And then the game ended in a loss, the season ended in a sweep. And if that's not enough, I then go to sleep. I turn everything off. Don't read anything on social media. And cry yourself to sleep. Did not. There was no. There were no tears. But I was like, I gotta. It's gonna be a long day for me tomorrow. Meaning today, I got this show. I have the herd. I have my own TV show. All of that. On a day after my pick to win the title, gets swept in the conference finals against a team and a player that I have been, let's call it, a somewhat vocal skeptic of. Like, I'm not going to consume any of the post-game stuff. I'll deal with it in the morning. Wake up this morning. Walk your little sister to the bus stop. Open up the old phone. Say, okay, got to start preparing for the show. And people are talking about LeBron James retiring. Retiring. That's when the tears came. There were no tears, but... You were loud. There is a sense of mortality, a sense of wistfulness. LeBron James famously has been in the league. He's played in the NBA for over half his life, but he's the exact same age as me, which means same for me. Over half my life, I've watched this guy play basketball. He's never once talked about retirement. And now the door has been cracked open. So we will get to that momentarily. I'm going to be lashing out today. One person in particular. I don't know exactly. He called me hysterical this morning, guys. I did not call you hysterical this morning. Do you are? That, guess what happened? That guess is, what happened? Well, that's because I can't trust your professionalism to even know what happened in the NBA last night. Don't, don't say you that were, because you I would like to say. You were too busy at prom no, weekend. No, I would like to say and, that and my I, entire prom weekend, I was checking scores mm-hmm. and everything. Something I never think I'd be yeah. doing. And yeah. that's exactly Her what I was doing. entire prom weekend, which involved multiple post-prom parties that is not true there was only one well you were multiple houses in the hamptons with your bougie friends and their bougie beach houses but you i'm not listen there you think i'm coming for you or for victor who can't handle the the microphone levels wait till i get to producer daniel and his his future with this with this show. Wow. We'll get to that later. Welcome in for the pod listeners. This is episode 153. The Lakers lost. LeBron's contemplating retiring. Um. Here's what missed the cut for today's show. Tom Brady. Comes Raiders minority owner. Don't care. Brooks Kepka win, says it validates live golfers. I would care about that in my little gambling consortium. Care that about I'm that in. if you're oh, Just wait a moment, twist. please, young lady. In the little gambling consortium that I'm in, I tried to bet Brooks Kepka on Saturday morning to win the tournament, and no one would take my bet, and then I had to watch him run away with the tournament. That was frustrating. And DeMonze evidently feuding with his new snake. I told him to wait to get a snake. I told him to wait. He didn't listen, and now evidently he's got a problem with it. But none of that is where we're starting. Diora, go right ahead. Where are we starting? So, oh. Yeah. So... We're starting with, of course, your boyfriend, uh-huh. LeBron. Mm-hmm. Despite LeBron dropping 40, 10, and 9, the Nuggets were just too much for the Lakers as they completed the sweep. 
However, the story is actually about what happened after the game, not during, as LeBron, for the first time ever, seems to be contemplating retirement. So we can read you the quote that LeBron said so at, at said, the podium. Go ahead. So he, had, he said, just for me personally, going forward with the game of basketball, I got a lot to think about. And then Dave McMiniman, fellow Syracuse grad, great journalist for ESPN, followed up with him. He was like, are you actually talking about your future? He's like, and he confirmed, yes, he's contemplating retirement. Go ahead. So I have three questions for you. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And are you actually okay is my second question. Yeah. I'm fine. Okay. Uh -huh. And are you buying that LeBron could actually retire? And if so, are you retiring? No, I won't be retiring. Am I buying that LeBron could actually retire? Yeah. I think Why, it's, you're scared. I think it's on the board. I don't I said on TV yesterday that just like it was on the board that the Lakers could be the first team ever to come back from 3-0 down. It was on the board that last night would be LeBron's final playoff game of his career. It's on the board. And I will tell you, LeBron played as if he thought it might be his final time playing. He played the entire game except for the final four seconds of the first half. He came out guns blazing, trying to give the Lakers a big enough cushion that potent I, I would imagine the plan was shoot all of your bullets in the first half, build a big lead, see if the Nuggets with a 3-0 lead on the road fold up shop, and then you can get some actual rest in the second half and then put some pressure on them in game five. 31 in the first half, 11 of 13 shooting. His first half alone was the greatest old guy playoff game ever. And far and away, the greatest year 18, 19, or 20 playoff game ever, just the first half, and then the Lakers immediately blew the lead, and we'll get to the, the end of the game and the Nuggets side of it in a bit, and then after the game, LeBron's questioning his basketball mortality. Now, I know everyone's saying some something of a similar thing. So LeBron's going to talk about and talk about and talk about how he wants to play with Bronny. And then when he's potentially just two seasons away from being able to do that, that's when he's going to walk away. Well, LeBron softened that play with Bronny stance a few months ago when he said, just because that's my dream or my ambition doesn't mean it's his. And if Bronny doesn't think he's one and done, that then extends the timeline. If Bronny doesn't necessarily want to play with his dad, that extends the timeline. There are a lot of... There are factors where maybe Bronny does think he's one and done, but has made it clear he doesn't want to be on a team with his dad, and LeBron might feel uncomfortable competing against him. If they're on different teams, what do you do? I feel like that's a thing, though, that you have to kind of deal with. Well, no one in the history of basketball has ever had to deal with it. Well, not with your child, but right. with other family members. Yeah, and it's in football, too. It, it, and, but we've never seen it. We, it we, we saw King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr., play together and baseball is also different because unless one was a pitcher and one was a hitter which they weren't you're not in direct conflict we've never seen a father and son competing against each other at that level and so there so I don't know I do know that through the first 
15 years of his career, LeBron was the most durable athlete in NBA history, he and Carl Malone. And then in year 16, he tore his groin. In year 18, he suffered, he, he ripped up a tendon in his ankle. In year 19, I forget even what the injury was last year, and this year he ripped up a tendon in his foot. So the injuries are starting to pile up, which is what happens Someone with older athletes. Well, okay, well, that's just what happens with older athletes. And so is it on the board that he says, yeah, you know, I broke Kareem's record. I've done everything I came here to do. I'm done. That's on the board. Is it on the board? This is a leverage play. Sure. And we'll get to what I would do if I were the Lakers later. That this is a leverage play to get them to go all in, to go for Kyrie, to do all those things. Yes, that is on the board. Is it on the board that LeBron takes a year off to rest and recuperate and then tries to come back to play with Bronny. Yeah, I think that's possible. On the board that he has off-season surgery, does not retire and misses the beginning of next season. Yeah, I mean, I think that one might be the most likely of the outcomes. But it was jarring to hear a player who has never talked about retiring all of a sudden volunteer it. And while I understand at the end of the game, he got his shot blocked, he was spectacular yesterday. And this is not the biggest story of the day, but I'm going to use this time for a moment here before we talk about what's next for the Lakers to talk about guys that I like but that I thought did the audience a total disservice calling this game yesterday in Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. I, I've had Van Gundy, when I did radio in Houston, Jeff Van Gundy would come in studio and talk hoops with us. I love the guy. <coughs> Mark Jackson, I don't know personally, but my TV co-host Chris Broussard does, says nothing but great things about him. I think Van Gundy, Breen, and Jackson are a great booth. The best NBA booth. Aside from Hubie and Doris when they're together uh, in a three-person booth. But their commentary in the second half of yesterday's game was as facile and... To me, misleading to the audience as anything I can remember. They're in, in a 90-second stretch. Van Gundy demanded of LeBron, who had played the entire game, 65,000 minutes into his career at age 38, in year 20, to drive to the basket every play, to do work in the low post, to run the pick and roll through him, and then threw in there at the end, guard Nikola Jokic. And they were commentating, just clueless, why LeBron was taking some possessions off offensively, floating around at the three-point line. And Mark Jackson had the audacity to say, I know you're tired, but the great ones find a way. Pardon me here. Give me a goddamn break. Give me a break. Anthony Davis, 10 years younger than LeBron, in the prime of his career, sat for eight minutes last night. Played 40. 
and wasn't guarding Jokic every play, wasn't banging on the low post every play. The idea that you would call this game and act confused, why isn't LeBron driving to the basket with the same regularity that he was in the first half and the second half? Because it's not NBA 2K with the fatigue sliders turned off. Because it's exhausting. Because these are professional athletes, not robots, who have a set amount of energy. Could Prime LeBron have done it? Yeah. That's what made him the best player ever. The fact that year 20 LeBron can somehow find a way to give you 40, 10, and 9 in a closeout game against the one seed playing 47 minutes and 56 seconds is of 48 minutes is incomprehensible. The fact that LeBron, I thought, people always kill him for taking threes at the end of games. I thought the final possession, he should have pulled up from three because had the layup been successful, all that would have done was guarantee another five minutes of overtime and they were clearly gassed. But it was it, to not acknowledge that he was the only guy on either team to play the entire game was crazy to me. Absolutely crazy to me. Uh, all right, what's next, Diora? Okay, if you were running the Lakers, what would you do this offseason? Um, run it back. I know there's a ton of conversation about Kyrie. Kyrie, the juice has not been worth the squeeze with Kyrie in seven years. And you would have to give up all of your flexibility. You would have to give up all of your potential depth in order to get Kyrie Irving. I would not do that. There's no chance I would do that. One of the benefits to having young players is you can expect them to improve. Austin Reeves has been a revelation. He should get better. Whatever contract he gets offered, you have the rights to match. Match it. Rui Hachimura is a young player coming off the best stretch of basketball in his career, a former lottery pick. Match whatever contract offer he gets. He's also a restricted free agent. And expect him to get better. D'Angelo Russell was unplayable in the conference finals. If you if you want to re-sign him for a reasonable number and see if he takes the defensive end seriously for the first time in his career, great. If not, you move him at the deadline. And you challenge Anthony Davis to night in, night out, be the guy we saw at different moments this postseason. To take that next step to be an actual MVP candidate. But the idea of trading away and moving on from all your depth so you can sign unreliable, injury-prone Kyrie Irving is totally insane to me. The Lakers post-deadline had the second-best record in all of basketball. They got beat by a better team, and we'll get to the Nuggets in a moment. But I wouldn't make drastic changes, assuming... LeBron is back. Now, what I would do is tell LeBron and get on the same page with LeBron that it's got to be Duncan in year 17 and 18, LeBron in year 21, meaning 30 minutes a night and a lot of nights off. You should tell your buddy Maverick that it would really hurt your feelings if LeBron retired. Well, that's the... See, so... The, I mean, I appreciate the attempted humor while I'm trying to give cogent analysis to the listeners and I the was, viewers. I was being serious, uh, actually. But, 
I mean, I, I do wonder. Mav tweeted, and Mav doesn't tweet much, a couple months ago from a game saying, like, watching, watching you play will never get old. I hope you never retire. I wonder if for Mavericks business purposes, if it's, if it's better if LeBron retires and they can go full-fledged into that phase of their career. My, my guess is LeBron's playing two more years. That would be my guess to kind of finish that part of the conversation. But what I was saying about the minutes is the other thing, and I, I said this on TV, but it, it warrants mentioning again here. One of the great things about sports is more often, more often than not, every bill becomes due. So... The Boston Celtics make the NBA Finals. They look like they're right on the cusp. And then right before the season, their head coach is involved in an infidelity scandal. And he's dismissed from the team, essentially. And they have to promote an assistant who's not ready named Joe Mazzulla. And all year long, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Then the playoffs come around, and he goes up against the best coach in basketball, Eric Spolstra, and he's getting undressed. We'll talk about that series later. But that Ime Udoka bill finally became due these conference finals. Draymond Green punches Jordan Poole in the face before the season starts. And the team just kind of scuffed. Pretty pretty aggressive (laughs) year. Yeah. Um... It's terrible on the road. No one can quite put their finger on why, even though it was obvious why. And then they lose at the end of the year, losing three straight road games. And Kerr and Draymond said, yeah, the punch ruined our team chemistry. That bill became due. Why am I bringing that up here in this context? The Los Angeles Lakers decided to start this year with a roster they knew was broken with Russell Westbrook as the point guard, and no shooting. And they started the year 2-10. and ten. Now they eventually traded him, fixed the roster to a degree, went on a playoff run. So how did that bill become due? Because it's quite clear watching this series that the Lakers, most notably LeBron, ran out of gas at the very end. Why? Because they had to start playing playoff basketball, with a month left in the year because of that 2-10 and ten start. That bill became due. That bill came due, pardon me. They did have two months of playoff basketball in them. Unfortunately for them, their playoff started a month before everyone else's. Then a play-in game, overtime in the play-in game, and they ran out of gas three weeks before the finish line. Everything matters. There are no free passes in this stuff. And I hope the Lakers know that moving forward. Um, you have a follow-up question? Go ahead. If the LeBron era is over, was it a successful tenure in L.A.? So, uh, full disclosure, I put this question in here. Something of a, I guess it would be a rhetorical question I wanted you to ask. Because this has become a line of questioning. And I think it's the most ridiculous line of questioning there is. LeBron has been with the Lakers from 2019 to now. Five years. At worst, at worst, they've been the third most successful franchise in the league, likely been the second most. Let's just, the the idea that the Lakers, under, with LeBron, have not been a success then no one's been a success in this time frame. So five years, right? Let's go through the champions and what they've done. The Warriors, in these five years, have won one title, made one other finals. Two years, they missed the playoffs. One year, they made the playoffs and lost. That was this year. By the way, one of the years they missed the playoffs in the play-in, And this year, they were knocked out by the Lakers. But they are the benchmark. They have been the most successful. The next most successful is the Lakers. They won a championship 
and made a conference finals. That is more successful than the Raptors, who won a championship in this timeline and did nothing else in the playoffs, or the Bucks, who won a championship in this timeline and did not make another conference finals. Now, there's the Heat. If the Heat win the title this year, then they leapfrog the Lakers because they would have made two finals, an additional conference uh, championship year or appearance, and won a title. If the Nuggets win the championship this year, they will have the exact same resume as the Lakers, both winning one title, both being knocked out by the other one in the conference finals. So if this tenure wasn't successful for the Lakers, then it wasn't successful for any team over the last five years. It is an absurd question, not that you're asking it, I asked to be asked it. But of course it's been successful. A championship and a conference finals appearance is more deep playoff runs and more success than any team has had in these five years other than Golden State. And Golden State twice had their season ended by the Lakers. Uh, All right, let's move on to the Nuggets. Okay, here's a question that you didn't ask to be asked. Producer Dan warned you about the number one seed Nuggets, but you didn't listen. All right, before we get to the actual question, let's talk about this for a moment. So, I know some people on this show. I don't know others. Because the show's bi-coastal. We're in New York, the show's in L.A. Uh-oh, you're about to say something. I obviously know Demaze, he's my son, works on the show. I know Diora, she's my daughter, works on the show. I know Gabe, because Gabe worked at FS1 right when I was hired, and Gabe and I developed a real friendship. Aww. I know Matt Ford from the show. I've actually hung out with Matt briefly in Vegas. I know Victor who even though he seemed to have some technical difficulties today, Victor, I met him in person in New York. I see him on camera in studio. I felt I got to know Kara a bit because I misidentified her job title and felt terribly about it. I don't know Daniel that well. However, I I did find, I did, despite not knowing him that well, develop... A deep-seated, boiling anger towards him throughout these playoffs. Because on our, let me count, 10-person group chat, Daniel found it. Oh, I also know Nick Nick Weiner. I think he plays basketball with the Monte. Daniel found it appropriate after each game to send either videos from the game saying La Butterfingers, trolling uh, texts saying keep hating, Denver will still welcome everyone with open arms, Uh, sending uh, eyeball emojis after other games, Sending video of him pretending yeah, the, the video sweeping. Is pretty funny. Well, I didn't see any of that until this morning. I just morning. saw it just now. And I missed important texts. Because after about the third unprompted, unrequested text from Daniel, I just muted the thread. No, you muted the thread yeah. after we were talking during the game and you just decided you didn't want to hear us anymore. Yeah, I yeah. Guys, if I want to be trolled by people, I'll check my Twitter mentions. Not my work text thread. The, 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 there, there's ways, if, if you would like to, to send me your trolly Nuggets thoughts at Get Nick Right, not the What's Right Show text thread. So I muted the whole thing. And I know there's probably a question of like, is Nick serious or joking right now? I'm serious. So serious. And so angry about it that I was like, who is this guy that I Googled him and found Daniel graduated from USC a year ago, found his Twitter, found this website that I sent to Gabe of Daniel from college, 
doing his sports show? Just trolling me the whole time. Because he's a Nuggets fan. I don't need that shit in my life. I'm gambling on these games. I'm emotionally invested in these games. And Daniel, who's younger than Demonze, is in my mentions, sending me, not even in my mentions, in my actual phone, sending me texts that say La Butterfingers. Like, like the worst of Twitter trolls. And now I got to see him in the control room holding a broom, sweeping back and forth. It's unbelievable. Wearing the same sweatshirt from the video too, exactly. Coach LeBron at USC. All right, I got to exactly. tell you, I got to tell you something. He brought that Everybody's smiling and seems to be having a good time. I really, really hope. Because Gabe, the big boss, is there today. I really, really hope Daniel's awesome at his job. Irreplaceable level awesome. Why? Are you trying to get him fired? I'm I'm saying I'm sure there's other Blue Duck projects that would wow. love his contributions. Wow. I, 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 don't, I don't know if Beatles Show needs a Nuggets troll on there. Me I'm oh not my. sure. Uh, listen, let this be a lesson. Victor now gets it. Victor has looked down and has put his hand through his hair. He's like, oh, I'm not sure how if Nick's doing, if this is a bit or not. I'll just let it just sit in the room. Is this a bit or not? Everyone looks a little scared. Yeah. There. I mean, what the? F I'm trying to watch <laughs> basketball, give analysis. Put myself out there, gamble on these games, and I got to get a video of LeBron turning the ball you over. Can't take the heat. Butterfingers. You can't take the heat. I can take the heat. No, just you, you fine. obviously cannot take the heat. I can take the heat from people that I signed up to receive the heat from. Well, you know, your friends are your biggest, you know, cri yeah. critics. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. My friends. Wow. Agreed. Wow. Now, finish that's, the Nuggets question. That's insane. Question. It's not insane. That's insane. It's, it's, I'm telling you, Diora, if, remember when I did that talk for your uh, friends at school? Your friends? Those aren't my friends. Okay, your Sorry, fellow, sorry everyone. <laughs> your, um, that's so bad. Fellow students, remember that? Yeah. I... I tried to be nice and, like, you know, give folks... This actually wasn't even your school. It's a different talk I gave. I don't want to put this on your friends. But sometimes when I give talks to these kids, they're like, hey, can we keep in touch, blah, blah, blah. I give them my number. One person that I've done that with has decided that's just a direct line to troll me for my takes. Like, to just be like, oh, I have Nick's phone number now. I can just troll him for his takes. Inappropriate. Now am I saying producer Are you sure Daniel? It's not a kid from my school. Am I saying producer Daniel? I'm putting him in the same bucket as them. Bucket adjacent. All right, it's, go ahead. It's what's a high the high school student? What's the Nuggets? What's the um, Nuggets question here? Okay, so as you said today, every bill becomes due. So do you owe the Nuggets, Jokic, and most of all, recently promoted Koe P. Daniel any apologies? Okay. No. It's no, no, and no. So here's the thing. I only demanded of Nikola Jokic what we have always demanded of players that turn into great players, which is earn it before you are anointed. Anointed. And if we go through the timeline, which we can, of my Jokic opinions, in 2020, when he started to get the superstar buzz, I said he was not ready for the challenge at hand in the conference finals. I was one of the only people in the world that picked the Nuggets 
to beat the Clippers that year. Picked them. Suck with them down 3-1. And I said, yeah, but Anthony Davis and LeBron's going to be too much. And I was correct. The next year, when he was the runaway MVP, I raised the question, guys, are we getting... Are we making the Russell Westbrook mistake of a few years prior of giving the MVP to a guy because he has gaudy offensive numbers when we know that they are not yet a winning team? I made the case that Chris Paul, despite worse numbers, deserved league MVP. Then they did happen to meet in the playoffs and Chris Paul, uh, I think, beat him in five or swept him. I don't even remember. It's pretty damn great. Felt a little vindicated. The next year, no one denied that Jokic was excellent. I said at the time he was one of the six or seven best players in the league. But now they were talking about giving him his second MVP while everyone acknowledged the team could win nothing. Now, that was because of injuries. But I said, hey, guys, are we going to care about precedent and standard of what the NBA MVP history has been? And if we are just going to give it to the guy who is carrying an inferior supporting cast, why not give it to Luka? And then Luka made the conference finals which up to that point was the high watermark of Jokic's career, and Jokic got swept in round one. This year, I said repeatedly, had the previous MVPs not been misallocated, in my opinion, this was the year that Jokic deserved it. But because he had just won two straight, and we'd had one three straight MVP in the last 65 years of the NBA... I didn't want to break that for a guy who had yet to break through. That's it. Did Jokic impress me this postseason? Of course. Is he this close to having a legitimate claim that he is the best player in the world? Yes. But it is not unfair or unreasonable to say... You have to show it. You have to prove it. And in the NBA, that is done in the postseason. It has never been done in the regular season. Ever. And while Jokic prior to this year had been statistically a very good postseason performer, prior to this year, the worst postseason series of his career by a mile, was his one conference finals. Does this change things? Of course it does. He was just in a conference finals against LeBron, against Anthony Davis, and was dominant. But this idea that, and this is where, and now it'll get a little hairy, Kendrick Perkins brought up the race factor of this and did it kind of haphazardly and awkwardly and everyone just killed him for it. But this is where there is an interesting uh, comp. The one other guy that I can remember that we placed these type of regular season accolades at his feet without him ever show going on this type of playoff run was Steve Nash. And that was a mistake. So it was odd and a little uncomfortable that we were doing... It never goes in this order. Ever. But now Jokic has a... Dominant start to finish. Well, not quite finish, but as far as he could have gone up to this point. Playoff run under his belt. The unbelievable regular seasons. And his biggest liability, defense, which is defense, 
he more than held up in this series post game one those are the benchmarks to being one of the greatest players ever and he's checking them all off but will i apologize for not wanting to let him skip steps i will not does he now have an unimpeachable claim that he's one of the top three players in the world? Yes. Is he one series away from having an incredibly strong claim that he's the best player in the world? Yes. Does he maybe already have a decent claim that he's the best player in the world? Yes. But I'm not going to I am not going to rewrite history on how we have always treated anyone that is trying to become the guy in the NBA. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, what's the follow-up for you? So you have to root for the Nuggets to win it all now, right? Why would I have to root for the Nuggets to win it all? Who else would you root what, for? Well, I mean, the... I mean, I it, we'll talk about the Heat in a moment. But playoff Jimmy's pretty impressive. Take a quick break. Talk Heat Celtics next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Welcome back in, episode 153, What's Right with Nick Wright. Uh-oh. Uh We spent the first 40 minutes of the show on everything LeBron, Lakers retirement, Nuggets, Lakers, all of it. We now have got to do... Uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, which by the time we talk on Thursday, could be over, pending the result of tonight's game. So, Dior, go right ahead. Okay, so the t- Celtics have imploded, and even the coach is saying that the team is disconnected. Yeah. Celtics expert Demonze Bird also had something to say. Yeah, and the, his tweet that he had here, yeah, bro, yeah, bro. I, go ahead, read it. Yeah, bro, I honestly got nothing to say about this. The Celtics are lacking a certain household pet. Do you know what he means by that? A certain household pet, like when you read it, do you know what he's talking about? No. Saying they don't have that dog in them. That's he's, insane. He's such a doofus. I mean, he's just such a dope. But I told him the Celtics were didn't have it for this series. But go ahead. Uh, you can ask me the question. What's wrong with the Celtics? All right, well. If there was ever a question about does coaching matter in the NBA, here's your case study. Best coach in the league, worst coach in the league, and it's playing out like that. Jimmy Butler is awesome. I think Butler's better than Tatum. I think he's more reliable than Tatum in the playoffs. But Jimmy hasn't been the difference. It is the fact that the Heat are totally connected. Everyone knows their job, playing with massive confidence. And the Celtics are not. The Celtics also, the Jalen Brown stuff has been simmering all year long. And it's now coming to a head with him having the two worst playoff games of his adult NBA career 
in games two and three of this series. Now, I picked the Heat to win this series. Did I think they were going to sweep them? No. But does it look like they're going to get swept now? Yes. And we'll do more of a Celtics post-mortem. What do they do from here once their season is officially over? But we went so long in that first segment. Let's just keep it moving here and we can talk a little bit about the Heat. Okay, so the eight seed Heat are on a legendary run. Yeah. Playoff Jimmy has stolen the show. Let's not forget about the seven undrafted players on this roster. Or that Coach Spo is running circles around the Celtics. What is the most imp- impressive part about this team? All right. The, it is that the undrafted guys are playing with this level of confidence. Duncan Robinson, now that he's... It, like, Duncan Robinson's undrafted, got $80 bucks, then was getting DNP coaches' decisions for months on end, stepped into his role, and didn't miss a beat. Struess and Vincent and Caleb Martin have been integral pieces of what the Heat have done in their undrafted players. That is Heat culture. That is Pat Riley. There's just no way around it. There, there's no denying it. There's, there's no trying to obfuscate what they are anymore. They are a special organization with a great head coach, a great team president, and a great superstar that just imbues confidence in everyone else. And Bam, when Bam is right and rolling, an awesome number two, even though he's not great offensively. And so I don't know what more the Heat have to do. They rolled the Bucks. They rolled the Knicks. They are rolling the Celtics. They are 11 and 3 in this series. The only other thing I want to say about this series is I want to talk about ESPN's BPI, the Basketball Power Index. I've talked about this before in regards to 538's basketball playoff calculator. I I do not understand how a massive sports media operation can trot something out there that is so flagrantly and clearly incorrect and couch it in, this is what our analytics, this is what our numbers tell us. So ESPN's BPI said this was a 97% chance for the Celtics to win this series. As of this moment, they give the Celtics a 32% chance to win. So think about that for a moment. ESPN's proprietary basketball power index believes that right now the Celtics are 10 times more likely to win a series they are down 3-0 in, which has obviously never been done, than that same algorithm, BPI, thought the Heat were to win the series when it started. That is proof of concept that your algo is not any good. Not because an outlier event happens. Outlier events happen. But because any NBA series that your algorithm says is 97 to 3. Any singular series that you that you can put in that says a team has a 1 in 33 chance of winning means your formula is bunk. And why you would not as a multi-billion dollar operation say, guys, we just got to pull it off the market until we can figure out what's wrong with it. It's similar to, and this is not a shot at Nikola Jokic, I promise, but the advanced analytic defensive box score plus minus says that Nikola Jokic 
is one of the four greatest defensive players, defensive players, in the history of the NBA. The moment your formula spits out that result, it is proof that your formula is broken. And I don't know how people then continue to trot it out there. It's embarrassing. I don't want to say it's irresponsible because it's not important enough to be irresponsible, but it is embarrassing. Uh, and so I just, I, the Heat had the best coach in basketball and the best player in the series. I understand why they were underdogs. I understand why you'd be surprised that it's 3-0. No one should be shocked that this is happening. All right, time for our game, which is... Right-ins. A game of right-ins. All right, go right ahead, Scoot. So, first one. Carmelo Anthony finally announced his retirement yesterday. Yep. You will remember Melo as... Oh, that's easy. I will remember Carmelo as a Syracuse Orangeman, or an orange, as they are called now. Uh, The best one-and-done in the history of the NCAA... And underrated career. I'm going to give you... who. What, what did you write? Nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a short list. Try to do it off the top of my head. LeBron, Kareem, Mailman, Kobe, Michael, Dirk, Wilt... Shaq, those eight names, that's the entire list of people who scored more points in the NBA than Carmelo Anthony. He's the ninth all-time leading scorer. I understand his postseason resume is threadbare. Only three postseason series victories. There are only a handful of times, though, he lost as the favorite. 06, first round against the Clippers, bad one. 2013, second round with the Knicks against the Pacers, not a great one. But he rarely was on the better team. He had a great chance, 2009, to make the finals. Lakers, Nuggets, Game 5, Western Conference Finals, tie game going into the fourth quarter. Carmelo scores 11. Kobe goes 0 for 5, but the Lakers win anyway, and they win Game 6, win the title. Carmelo was better than Kobe that night to go up 3-2 in the series. His teammates weren't there for him, and they that was his best chance. His big mistake was, instead of just signing with the Knicks, demanding to be traded to the Knicks so they didn't have the resources to put a championship team around him. But still, a deserving member of the All-75 team, the greatest men's basketball Olympian ever, NCAA champion, great score. I love Melo. Next. Okay, so next is Lamar. After an endless contract negotiation, the Ravens extended Lamar. So all is good, right? Well, reports. Look at the screen, Scoot. You got to move the board a little Oops. bit. There you go. No problem. Go ahead. So, so all is good, right? Yep. Well, Le- reports out of Baltimore is that the QB didn't show up for the first day of OTAs. Lamar not showing up to OTAs is... So, I'm going to write and say not great. But, so here's the thing. I actually support... I would support the entire league taking off OTAs. We've talked about this before. I'll do it briefly again here. The players in the last CBA wanted more money. The owners didn't want to give them more money. Instead, they give them less days at work. Uh, less mandatory off-season days, and then the so the players take that instead of getting more money, and then the owners use the media to pressure the players to turn the optional off-season stuff into mandatory. I don't like that. It strikes me as unfair. So I would understand if nobody showed up. And I support almost any player that doesn't want to show up. You negotiated to have this be optional with the exception of the super high-paid quarterbacks. I do think, even though I'm a union guy 
and a worker, not a management guy. If you are the face of an organization and paid as such, there are other things that go along with it. There are certain things that are expected of me at FS1 that are not expected of Demonze, who works for FS1. I'm one of the forward-facing people. They pay me a lot of money. Sometimes you got to go above and beyond. So I'm not going to kill Lamar for this, but it's not great. And even though I, while I would support almost anyone skipping these things, the super high-paid quarterbacks probably should be there. Next. Okay. Next one. Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger. Good job. Oh, my God. I did it. Yep. Said he hoped Kenny Pickett didn't succeed as a rookie. I hope he doesn't come ball out. Because then it's like, Ben who? Ben Big Ben's comments are... I wrote they are kind of honest. Not entirely honest, but kind of honest. They are honest in that I do believe that there was, and I appreciate the honesty of him saying uh, that he didn't want Kenny Pickett to come out and instantly be awesome. When I'm saying kind of honest, it's because he knew no one would ever say Ben who, and that's a false humility to it. But I do believe that he didn't want Big Ben to instantly, or I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett to instantly come out and kick ass. All right, next. Okay, next one is. Yeah. The NFL agreed that they screwed you out of your 50 to one Super Bowl bet. Teams will now be allowed to designate an emergency QB on game days after we saw CMC and a one-armed Brock Purdy in the NFC title game. If this rule was already in place, your 50 to one Super Bowl ticket would have been worth zero dollars zero dollars what i wrote because they weren't going to win with a fifth string or fourth string quarterback can i say something about this this is the most overwrought ridiculous story i can remember the nfl let me just tell people how it used to be you have a 53 man roster 45 guys were active on game day With a 46th guy who was your emergency third-string quarterback who was also semi-active on game day, you could dress a 46th guy if he was your third-string quarterback, but if he played, your other two quarterbacks couldn't go back in. The NFL did not get rid of that. They simply said your 46th guy can be any position. And you can dress 46 guys on game day. Teams then decided they didn't want to waste one of those 46 game day active spots on a third quarterback. And then when this thing happened, the entire football media started saying, Oh my God, why doesn't the NFL let you dress a third quarterback? You could dress 10 quarterbacks if you wanted to. They never changed that. Try not to blow out your mic again. So now all they've done is say now you can have a 47th guy dress and he's got to be a third string quarterback. So be it. But everyone's saying, oh, the NFL screwed everyone here. No, they didn't. They gave teams more choices on what they want to do with that 46th roster spot. And teams decided we would rather have a backup linebacker offensive lineman than a third string quarterback. That's their prerogative. But, I and by the way, I think most teams are not going to dress a third quarterback for 47th game day roster spot because that guy's got to be on your active roster and most teams are not going to have three of their 53 spots on their active roster be quarterbacks. Most teams are going to have their starter, a backup, and a practice squad quarterback. Read your fan questions next. Quick break. What's right? With Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals you will be eating stress-free this spring. Each meal is chef-crafted, fresh, and dietitian approved More importantly, they are never frozen and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, 
keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled up all day long. Try meals with premium ingredients like filet mignon, truffle butter, and shrimp, restaurant-quality food that you do not have to prep, cook, or clean up delivered right to your doorstep. And if you need to change your deliveries, you can pause or reschedule whenever you like. Factor is your solution for fast and premium meals. Also, for the month of April, Factor is celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. So, what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next. Fuel up fast, eat better, and get back to what you love doing this spring with Factor. Welcome back, episode 153. Now we're going to answer your listener questions. Sure, go right ahead. Jack Fisher. Fisher. Fish, okay, whatever. Yeah, Fisher. Go ahead. Uh-huh, go ahead. Said, you should people be able to talk about how many undrafted players the Heat have as if it's a bad thing if they win at all? The Nuggets aren't untalented just because their best player is a second round. Yeah, listen, I think the undrafted thing with the Heat is actually at this point a compliment. I think the undrafted, like, whether people view it as that or not, they should. It is a testament to their ability to develop talent, identify their guys, identify market inefficiencies, and find more than competent NBA role players that forget being second rounders that are just undrafted players. All right, next. Okay. LJG asked, how is Luka a top 20 player in the last 50 years, but Jokic couldn't make the list with just as much playoff success up to that point? All right, well, to be clear, when we did the list, Jokic had one MVP, not two. The two MVPs would have got him on there. He obviously at this point is a top 50 player of the last 50 years. The two MVPs plus this regular season plus this playoff run makes it undeniable. As far as Luka goes, watch the Luka video. I explain that he was the one guy on there that we were projecting forward. It was an homage to Shaq being on the NBA's 50 best of the first 50 years, even though he'd only played in the league for four years. That was the precedent for it that we did with Luka. Next. Okay, next question. Peter Altons asks, what do you think of the rumors of the Lakers pursuing Trey Young, and what could that potential trade package look like? There, there is no potential trade package where the Lakers could acquire Trey Young. It does not exist. They don't have the picks. That is a nonsense story, in my opinion. I saw that this morning. It is a nonsense story. Next. Jacob Connell asked, who has been the player that has individually overachieved the most in the NBA, in this NBA season? Individually overachieved the most. Got to be Austin Reeves. And I think Austin Reeves has been outstanding. And he's another undrafted guy, but he's got himself probably a $70 million contract. I don't know if overachieve, overachieve almost sounds like an insult. It's not meant to be, but it's got to be Austin Reeves. All right, what's the last one? Producer Dan asked, when when he comes out to New York next month, mm-hmm. do you do, do you want him to bring a Jokic jersey or do you want another Pat Bev jersey? I didn't know Dan was coming out to New York next month. Yeah, now you got to watch your back. Job interview? That. Wow. I mean, I, well, I mean, I'm sure it's not to come to this show. I, I don't know what it would be. I'm not. I'm not sure what the what the plan is there. He's uh, coming for you. He says. He says he'll stop by if if I'll have him. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. This isn't really my nature, and I don't like to be this guy. If I'm being honest, the uh, only thing that's probably going to solve this fissure. In me and Dan's relationship, is, is if he becomes a Lakers is, fan? No, I don't care about that. 
is if the Heat end up beating the Nuggets, and if I get my get back via text to him back. at his lowest moment. Because he says that's not going to happen. Here's the thing for the Nuggets right now. The Nuggets and their fans, I don't know if they'll admit this, but they feel like they won the championship. Not because, oh, beating the Lakers is more than a... But because they, like everyone else, are going to underestimate the Heat. The Nuggets and their fans, I'm certain, were rooting against Boston, rooting against Milwaukee, thrilled to see all these big dogs fall off, saying, oh my God, how lucky. We earned the one seed. We had a smooth path to the Western Conference Finals. We then rolled the Lakers, and now we're going to roll Miami. They are counting their championship. Let's see what Playoff Jimmy does. If Playoff Jimmy rips the Nuggets' heart out and I am able to exact revenge on producer Dan, then he can come by this show. If not, then I'm, I just assume never actually meet him. So, I mean, listen, that's just... That is who I am. I have no regrets about that. And we'll see how it goes. I think the Heat win tonight. I think we have nine days between the end of the conference finals and the NBA finals. And I think even though it's not the marquee Lakers-Celtics finals that a lot of us thought we were getting, uh, I think it'll be a great series. Talk to you guys on Thursday. What's right? He's still sweeping. Yeah. Yeah. 